Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. And um, hold your spot there at 1 Kings chapter 18 because that is our destination, not our launch pad today. And uh, we're going to get there after a little bit. But um, I, I want to talk to you about uh, some current affairs. And I want to talk to you about um, what it means to be pursuant of revival and to be seeking revival in our own lives, in our own hearts. You know, as we look around the world today, there's, there's a very diverse observation because you know, in looking at world affairs and world events and everything, you know, certainly we can note uh, if we, if we want to be observant that there are some very, very bad things that are happening in our world around us. There are some very negative situations that are unfolding. Um, but there are also some really awesome things that are happening in our world right now. You know, uh, I, think, I think that it was amazing it was amazing if some of you can cast your minds back with me five, ten years or so ago uh, to think about a league of professional athletes that pretty much ostracized a single individual in the person of Tim Tebow because he refused to, to not pray and call on the name of the Lord uh, to watch them on January 2nd as DeMar Hamlin fell lifeless to a football field to see uh, that same league of people all gather around on their knee invoking the power of prayer i mean that that's a that's a pretty awesome thing uh but but in more recent days uh one of the more recent events that you know are in the news right now would be the revival that's taking place at asbury university and 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 let me let me just say this i am absolutely thankful for what's happening at that university i'm, I'm absolutely thankful for what god is doing and the way that he's stirring and the way that he's moving in the lives of those young people and others who are coming to that destination with a sincere heart, who are sincerely seeking God. And uh, from the articles I've read, this is more than just some simple stir of emotions. I do believe that hearts are being touched in the presence of God. I do believe that there's a lot of refreshing and restoration that's happening in a spiritual sense. Uh, and, and Pastor Lisa and I have been telling you for the last several years that revival was not only coming, but revival was here for each of us as individuals as we delve deeper into the things of God. And, and I do believe that much of the insanity that you and I witness on a daily basis is the shaking of the Holy Spirit of a, of a land that has forgotten its mooring spiritually and it's pointing us back to a Redeemer and it's pointing us back to a Savior and it's pointing us back to a Holy Ghost baptizer and it's pointing us back to a Redeemer that says, God, we don't know how to get a handle on the mess that has been made here, but we know if we will submit it to you that you can reconcile all things to yourself because you are the great restorer I do believe that there's a spiritual awakening that's coming to this land and I pray my sincere prayer our sincere prayer is God let faith assembly church be an instrumental part of bringing awakening and spiritual renewal to this region of the world 
And, and while I look on at the sincerity of what God is doing at Asbury and now other places all around the world, my heart is overjoyed and I am filled with even a greater expectancy of what God wants to do in and through Faith Assembly Church. But I also, with that, have mingled a sense of heaviness because I see the craftiness of the adversary at work in the mix of it all. And I've got to tell you that my heart is heavy today because I see a lot of Jesus-loving, well-meaning, hungry for a move of God people who are embracing some of the things that are coming out of a sincere move of God that as, as I assess, I would have to guess that they may not be with the purest of motives. And I want you to understand, if I, if I come across today passionate, don't mistake my passion for anger. Because I'm not angry. I'm not angry with any individual or groups of individuals. I'm not, I'm not uh, but I am zealous for the things of God. And I am disturbed any time that I see the adversary trying to stick his trashy hands in the middle of what God wants to do for his people and the revival that he wants to bring. So it's with, a, it's, with a, it's with a shepherd's heart that I come to you today because we believe that the Lord wants to work in and through our leadership to guide this body to places of still waters in the spirit where you can drink deep and be refreshed and restored. And we believe that the enemy would do anything in his power to distract the body of Christ from what God wants to do in this hour. So here's what I'm not doing today. I'm not here advocating for any particular style of church. I'm not here to defend my position or to vindicate my actions or leadership choices because you know as well as I do as you've experienced already this Sunday morning that when Faith Assembly Church comes together to celebrate the goodness of God we do it at the high end of celebration and we utilize everything at our disposal in order to bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord. I, I'm, uh, you, you know the word of the Lord that says this in Psalm 150. We read these words. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. And praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instrument and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything thing that has breath praise the Lord I want you to note there that in that because we might say well these things don't have they don't have breath but David is clarifying even the inanimate objects let them praise God and everything that has breath certainly ought to be singing the praise of the Most High King and I want to tell you something today I don't have a lute I don't have a harp I don't have a timbrel that I know of, but I've got a loud cymbal, and I've got a drum, and I've got a piano, and I've got a trombone, and I've got a saxophone, and I've got some, some occasionally some dancers, and I've got some guitar players, and God said, let there be light, and we've got some of that too, and with that, we are going to glorify and magnify the name of the Lord. 
I can't help it that the first time you encountered a flashing light or a strobing light was in a bar. That's not my business. That light belongs to my Father, and I will take it and use it for his glory. I will redeem it for the glory of God. So, I'm not here to speak against a more traditional church setting because I I appreciate the value of such places. I I don't feel like we're doing it better because we're doing it this way. I don't feel like we've got it right and they've got it wrong. And I've got to be honest with you and say I had some of my most formative spiritual encounters under an open air tabernacle with hard wooden benches and a sawdust floor. It was illuminated with cheap fluorescent lights and it stirred that muggy northeastern North Carolina summer heat with warped ceiling fan blades. Come on, somebody. But I'm going to tell you something. When the people of God came together with one mind and one accord to seek the presence of God, none of those things mattered. And I'm telling you, when they come in this house today, when they come in with one heart and one mind to seek the things of God, none of the other peripheral things are going to matter anymore either. All of it's going to fall away in the presence of Jehovah. So I've got friends in churches on all ends of the spectrum. I've got friends that lead ministries outside the four walls of the church, out in the streets and under bridges. And and you know what? I've got some of them that are seeing God do incredible things and some that are not. I've got friends who run ministries outside the church walls. Some are seeing God do incredible things and some are operating merely like any other charitable or benevolence organization. The key is not how their church is decorated. The key is them being faithful to who God's called them to be and garnering the blessing and anointing of God on their obedience to move forward with the direction of the Spirit. But here's the thing that I've seen that I believe grieves the heart of God. I, I, saw, I saw this post and I've seen several, several posts. All of a sudden, I don't know if you know this or not, but now all of a sudden everybody is an expert on revival. And I've seen post after post after post that begin with the heading, opinion, semicolon. I mean, opinion, colon, the Asbury Revival. Well, your opinion is like my opinion. We've all got an opinion. And I've I've seen one in particular that really, really caught my attention, and it's been widely shared. And if you've shared it, understand this. I'm not here to set you straight. I'm not here to judge your motives. I'm not even sure you understand the depth of it. I'm, I'm just simply here to offer a different perspective because sometimes we don't look beyond the face value of what's being said. And, and a lot of these pieces that are coming out, for the most part, I agree with the facts as stated. It doesn't take a lot to usher in the presence of God. All it takes is humility and brokenness in the presence of the Lord. He'll, he'll do the rest. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot more than that. God can visit any time, any place, just as well with or without many things. And, and often in the main body of many of these posts, the writer underscores many of the elements of church life and, and notes that there are absent certain things from more than a 100-year-old university chapel. 
And I'll agree with you that none of those things are necessary. You see, in the Bible, Jesus did great things. Jesus taught powerful sermons. And Jesus is never one time recorded preaching or teaching in a Christian church. Not once. He taught in the Jewish synagogues. He taught in the temple. He taught on the seashore. And he taught on the mountainside. But not one time is he ever seen teaching in a Christian church. And it's not the content that I take issue with, but it's the preface that is absolutely tragic. And I believe not only is it tragic, but it's very telling. I want you to walk with me into this scenario for just a minute. If you, if you like have a hard time visualizing, just close your eyes with me here for just a minute and imagine yourself standing in a long line of people waiting to get into this packed venue where it is storied that the Spirit of God is moving in such a powerful way and you walk into that place and you finally get into that place you visited this revival that began spontaneously during a chapel service on a college campus on February 8th and has been perpetuated ever since a revival that has gained the notoriety on a national scale a revival that has elements described as deep abiding peace repentance spiritual renewal an overwhelming sense of God's presence Someone attended, I assume they attended. For argument's sake, we'll say that they did, but they attended this meeting. This meeting, and they left, and they posted, and I quote, the main takeaway, the main takeaway Like I was in the presence of God that so arrested the heart of a generation that they have been idled in anything else other than seeking the presence of God. And the main takeaway is this. And from that point on, they began to list There were no lights, there were were no guitars, there were no greeters at the door. There was nobody serving coffee, there was nobody doing donuts, there was nobody doing this thing, there was nobody doing this thing, there was nobody doing another thing, there was nobody, and they enumerate this long list of things that you might find in a regular church setting. And they, they just said, after all the glory of God that we just encountered, here's the main takeaway. That's sad, church. That is sad. Sad. You mean, you mean that you went and spent time in that kind of environment and you didn't have anything to say of the life change that's happening? You mean you went into a house with such a strong anointing that young people forsook their class schedules and said, I'm going to wrestle with God until I get a fresh anointing in my life? And these were your takeaways? You mean you went to a place where the Spirit of the Lord is stirring so deeply that people are traveling hundreds of miles and all across the nation to see what's going on and these were your main takeaways? You went to a place where there's such a sincere and sovereign move of God that an entire university has canceled its class schedule for the coming week and these are your main takeaways? You didn't want to tell anybody about the testimony of a generation whose direction is always questioned and under scrutiny that is getting plugged into Jesus. You didn't want to tell anybody about the precious sense of unity. You didn't want to tell anybody about the peace of God flooding your soul. You didn't want to tell anybody about the renewal in your own life. 
These were the main takeaways. You just wanted to come out here and tell us about the environmental aspects of what weren't necessary for God to move? Oh, honey, we're way ahead of you because in Genesis chapter 1, the second verse of the Bible, it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. I'm under no delusion or attended any class or seminar where they told me that if I'd hang a light up, it would make people come or usher in the presence of God. It's nothing but a preference. God doesn't need a light to move. God doesn't need a silk flower to move. He doesn't need a big family Bible parted to the middle laying on a communion table to move. I've got a sneaking suspicion, and you can write this down, and you can tweet me later. I've got a sneaking suspicion that anyone who visits a revival where the Spirit of the Lord is moving and comes out with an opinion piece instead of a testimony wasn't there for the move of God after all. I want to tell you three things real quick and then I want to tell you what's going on. The three things are this. There's a difference between discerning spirits and figuring it out. And I'm going to tell you today, church, we're very poor at discerning spirits, but we're very quick to try to figure it all out. And one is a natural tendency and the other is a spiritual gift. And I would encourage you, as Paul does, that you would desire the best gifts. 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want to tell you something, the last several years, last couple of decades, I've heard about revivals where gold was filling people's mouth and flakes falling all over the place and feathers coming down out of the sky and people barking like dogs and clucking like chickens. And I've got to tell you that when I hear about those things, it makes me just stop and say, now wait just a minute. It gives me a little pause in my spirit because I don't see that in the word. I can't find that anywhere that, that God is manifesting himself in that way. And if you've been there and you've experienced that and you say, Pastor, that's why, then I stand corrected. But I'm telling you, I get a check in my spirit. But, but when I hear about people who are in a deep state of repentance who are calling out to God for cleansing from unrighteousness and getting their hearts in line. I've got no question about that because the word says if we will confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Church, that's what revival is. Is me getting over me and getting into God. John continues, says, by this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And after, after you and I have discerned this church, nobody needs me, nobody needs you to explain why I believe that God moved in that way. I don't need to figure it out. After you've discerned that it's of God, nobody needs our explanation. As a matter of fact, what we need to do is say, Lord, we don't usually do it that way, but nevertheless, at your word... Lord, we, we, we don't understand why we can't move this ark on a cart. But nevertheless, Lord, at your word. Lord, we don't know why we need to fill these water pots with water if we're expecting wine. But nevertheless, at your word. 
Well, the Lord probably changed the water into wine for them because they had the right kind of clothes on. Well, the Lord probably healed them because they were more perfect than the other. No, no, no. The Lord did what the Lord did because he is the Lord God sovereign and his actions are not contingent upon our opinions. He didn't ask my counsel. He doesn't need my counsel. He doesn't need to know whether I understand it or not. He is God Almighty and he moves at his own volition with or without me. The best thing I can do is get on board with where God's going and get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. Number two. We should never put boundaries on God where he has never established them for himself. Sometimes we see things, and this is a hazard that I want to speak against because this is the, this is the bulk of what I'm reading. Oh, this is how it happens. These are the parameters of revival. They have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. They have everything to do with physical, material things, and, and, and that's just irrelevant, honestly, in God's economy it's it's what God is doing so sometimes we see God doing things in one place and we assume that those these are the only operating parameters this, this is the only it's, it's got to be this way let me, let me remind you of a story here of Moses in the word and Moses at one point was instructed to go and strike a rock and from that rock was going to flow the water that would satisfy millions of people. And Moses did that. And, and in, in the, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he clarifies for us and typifies what's there. And he says, and they all drank from the spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ. So what we see here is an outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit's depicted by water in the Scripture. So we see that Christ was struck and the Holy Spirit then flows there out of. And then those who are willing can come and drink freely of the fountain of life. And that happened there. But there was another time, there was another time, which we always equate with an outpouring of the Spirit with revival, right? And there was another time where God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, I know last time you struck the rock. This time I want you to go and speak to the rock. We can blame that on Moses' anger in the moment. Or we can also look at our own natural tendencies to think that we know how to manipulate the move of the Spirit and that we know better what we've always done and just to say, well, you know what, God, I know you said speak to it this time. I don't want to look like a fool in front of millions of people. So rather than speak to that rock this time, I'm just going to do what I did last time. I'm going to do what I saw over here at another place. I'm going to do it the way I saw it over there. And I'm just going to have the anticipation that I'm going to get the same result here. And here's the, here's the graciousness of God. Moses struck the rock, and in the graciousness of God, the water did flow out of that rock. But Moses didn't get everything that God intended for him because because he struck the rock rather than speak to it, he never got to go into Canaan's land, that land that was good and large and flowing with milk and honey. That's what God had in store for him. But he never got a chance to experience it because he was so hung up on the experience of yesterday that he couldn't be obedient to the leadership of the Lord today. And, and I've got to throw this in here. This is extra, but... And, and all this thing, you, you got to understand this. You cannot compare. You cannot compare what God is doing in the context 
of, re of revival on a college campus to what is necessary to, to, uh, to carry out week-to-week -week ministry in a local church setting. Let me tell you something. There was a day when you were in college that you went to the 29-cent cheeseburger sale at McDonald's and you bought dozens of those things and carried them back to your dorm and put them in your freezer because there was hard times. I bet you ain't living that way today. Microwave that baby. The 29-cent dinner. You're, but you're not doing that today. And I'm telling you, those same people that come out of that place and say, well, they didn't have any donuts and they didn't have any coffee and they didn't have anybody in the parking lot. Let me encourage you, First Impressions team, if you're here today, there's more than a few people here who say, I come here, the reason I came here predominantly was because of the welcome and the love I felt coming into this place. Those same people that carry their judgmental selves into places like that and come out saying there was no welcome team, there was no donuts, there was no coffee, would be the same people that would come in here if we ended every service with people slain in the Holy Ghost laying on the floor who would leave after six weeks and say well there were great things going on there but it wasn't a very friendly church and I couldn't get plugged in or connected to anybody so I had to leave number three and I'm getting ready to close Pastor Trey if you'd come number three it's a great hazard to attach God's glory to our agenda or opinions Listen, it, it's happened. It's happened since the earliest of days. There are people that followed Jesus all over creation, everywhere that he went. They followed him, they followed him, they followed him, they followed him with the intent that sooner or later they'd be able to leverage his might against their agenda, personal agenda. You, you're going to tell me that the initial, I know God did a work in his life, but you're going to tell me that the initial reason that a zealot who was against the Roman government didn't follow Jesus was because he had some hope in him that he was going to overthrow the Roman government. And there's a lot of people this very day all over the nation that are going to go to church because it's good for their business. Plain and simple. It's a good place to be seen. We, we're going to attach God's glory to our agenda or our personal opinions. And, and, and nobody, nobody from this church, but I've seen folks sharing and commenting on this kind of stuff that I have witnessed with my own eyes set through moves of the Holy Ghost with their arms folded and a scowl on their face. They're unmoved by the presence of God talking about, amen, that'll preach. It does, it, it's, it's preaching right now. And, and, and some folks are constantly watching the horizon, waiting for something to happen that they can point to as a validation for their opinion or further their personal agenda. And they're still having an argument that God and everybody else has moved beyond. But if they see anything that makes them right, even if it's proven to not really matter much, they'll rob God of his glory in what's happening and take the sovereign move of God as a use for their personal gain. And I'm, I'm seeing a great many people whose activities and writings are making me curious about the intent of their attendance. I, I read another one where a guy traveled 300 miles to attend this. He had a half a paragraph about the move of the Holy Spirit and this much about the decorations in the building. 
I'm telling you church something's jacked up right there you understand that and I'm not here to to yell at you I'm not angry with you but I want you to understand something before you engage with that stuff you need to know the hell that it came from because the devil will come in with the greatest of subtlety and he will try to divide and he will try to conquer and he will try to destroy and deter the move of God but we will keep our focus and we will keep our eyes on the spirit we will follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and we will press in and press on into what thus says the Lord. Again, if you left the presence of the Lord with an opinion piece instead of a testimony, somehow or another, I feel like you missed what God was doing in that moment. And church, I want to tell you something from a pastor's heart, and then we're going to open these altars. You can go ahead and stand up right now, but, but I, I got to tell you something from this pastor's heart. I have seen too many casualties in the move of the Holy Spirit. People who were excited about what God was doing and how the Spirit of the Lord was stirring. I, I've had people come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I've been, I've been at this church for X number of years. I've seen more people baptized in the last few weeks than I've seen in all those years combined. God's doing amazing things here until somebody corrects them that we're doing it the wrong way and then they come back a few weeks later and say, by the way, we don't like the way you we love everything God's doing. We don't like the way you're doing it, so we're leaving. Too many casualties along the way of somebody else's opinion piece. Their editorialization of what God's doing. So I told you I was going to tell you three things. Those are my three things and I'm going to tell you what's happening at Asbury College and it's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Beginning in verse 41, the Elijah the prophet speaks prophetically to Ahab the king. And he says, go up and eat and drink for this the sound. <laughs> go up and eat and drink for this the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Carmel. And then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant... Go now and look towards the sea. So he went in and he looked and he said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass on the seventh time that, he, that his servant returned. And he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Elijah spoke prophetically and then he prayed. And I'll tell you, not my opinion, I've not been there. If you want to go, God bless you. But I'm far more interested in what God wants to do in Winterville, North Carolina than I am in what he's doing. I bless him for it. I praise him for it. But it's not shaking my community. It's not moving the people around me with a sense of renewal and awakening. But Elijah spoke prophetically. And then he went and prayed. And we may never know their name. They may never be identified. It might have been a professor who was burdened for his students. It might have been some alumnus who was concerned that God move in the generation that's coming up in a powerful way. Maybe it was a parent or grandparent that was concerned that God would do something in the life of their kids. 
but it was somebody who was speaking a prophetic word over a generation of people that said I'm going to set my face to pray and seek God until I see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this generation. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to wrestle with God until I see it come to pass. And church, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain today. But here's the tragedy. Everybody's running. Everybody's running. Everybody's running to a revival service. Everybody's running their mouth. Everybody's running around with their opinion. Everybody's running around with their personal agenda. But we need more folks that are running to the altar. I don't mean for three minutes on a Sunday morning. I don't mean just once in a while. But I mean with great regularity to say, Lord, I'm going to lay it down on the altar. I'm going to bring the sacrifice of praise. I'm going to pour out my heart until you fill me afresh with your Holy Ghost and fire. That's you this morning. You've been praying. You've been believing God for a great move of the Spirit. You've been believing God for an awakening in your own family. You've been trusting God for revival in your workplace. You've been trusting God for restoration in your community. This is it. This is where it comes from. And I don't think I need to say anything more to you this morning. Then come. Come, you who are weary and heavy laden. And he'll give you rest. Come, those of you that are thirsty, and drink free of the water of life. Come, those of you who have no money to buy bread, and eat freely of a spiritual sustenance that is given by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come and press in to the presence of the Lord this morning. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.